Hi. How's it going? Uh, so I really hope you'll stick around for the annual meeting because uh, it's going to be so exciting. Um, we had a spiritual formation leader gathering uh, yesterday, and there were uh, 19 people there. And it was a fabulous conversation with a number of our leaders uh, discussing um, ideas and uh, talking together about uh, the Lenten season coming up. Lent, by the way, starts March 1st, I believe it is, uh, which is Ash Wednesday, and we're going to do this six-week journey together through Lent. Um, and uh, so I'll talk a little bit about that at the annual meeting, and we'll talk about some other ministry, exciting ministry plan activities happening, and uh, Doug and Ashley will share about the budget, and so hope you'll stick around for that. I, I had a couple of pictures from the Spiritual Formation Leader Gathering I was going to show you, and I just, I, I just must be a technological idiot, because I can, could not get them from my phone to my computer to, anyhow, and then we went on a hike yesterday with some friends to Carson Falls, and I was going to show you a great pic of that, and well, it's in my head. Uh, I can show you on my phone later. Um, we're in Philippians 2. I want to invite you to turn there. I'm going to pray. God, thanks for another Sunday. Thanks for the opportunity for us to be together, to share life together, to sing these songs of worship together, to pray together, to open the scriptures together and explore what you are saying to us from an ancient text uh, right here, right now, today. God, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Uh, may your spirit lead and guide us. May the meditation of our heart and the words from our mouths be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God. It's in the name of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So we're in Philippians chapter 2. And last week, we looked at uh, verses 12 and 13 and this interesting kind of mysterious tension uh, where Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, for it is God who works in you, according to his good pleasure. And so, uh, which is it, Paul? Are we supposed to be working, or is it God who works in us? How, how does that work? And the answer, of course, is yes. Uh, the Spirit of God animating us, breathing through us, spurring us on to love and good deeds, and, and we are invited to show up and say yes to what the Spirit is already doing within us. And so Paul says, work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you. And uh, one of the ways we work out our salvation, verse 14, Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. We could pray and uh, give a benediction. May you do everything without grumbling or arguing, and we could wrestle with that all week long, couldn't we? When's the last time you grumbled? When's the last time you just had a little complaint about this or that? This is a tall order, isn't it? Do everything without grumbling or arguing? How? How? For it is God who works in you according to his good pleasure. It's when we continue to wake up and show up and say yes 
to what God is already doing in us that we can actually live a life without complaint, without arguing. Uh, Paul's drawing off of Israel's history when he says do everything without grumbling or arguing, and I'm going to show you that in a moment. Uh, he says do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, which is a quote from Deuteronomy 32. So Paul is drawing off of Israel's history, a people who were in bondage and slavery in Egypt, and God brought them out. And when God brought them out, they were like, yes, we're free. See, this is what they did. Yes, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. False. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. A little grumbling. Oh, life was so good when we were slaves, when we worked seven days a week and never got to rest, when we were whipped. We had pots of meat. I, I, I think that's right. It's got to be true, right? Life was so good in slavery. Next slide. Uh, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Isn't that interesting? How soon we forget what life was like in slavery. Uh, the Israelites have forgotten this. Paul is reminding them of the history of the Hebrew people. And Paul is saying, don't fall into that trap. Don't believe the lie that life was better in Egypt. We, we should find a leader who will take us back to Egypt. Uh, going back to Egypt means slavery. Uh, it means returning to that which you were freed from. And so often we, we look at some pastime with nostalgia and think that it was so great. And if we could just get back to that, when God is always moving us forward to more freedom, more life, more light, more love. And so God is telling his people, you don't want to go back to Egypt. And Paul is reminding this small group of Christians in this Roman colony in Philippi, hey, this is Israel's history. But I'm telling you, you don't have to repeat the story. Just because this is the way the story was doesn't mean this is the way the story has to be as God works in your life. You don't have to be like the Hebrew people were grumbling against God. See, God brought the people out of slavery in Egypt, and he brought them into the promised land, and in the promised land is where he called them to be a light to the Gentiles. Again, Paul is uh, pulling off of Israel's history. He says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. This was the call on the Israelite people, to be a light to the Gentiles, to be a light to all who came their way, to care for the widow, the poor, the oppressed, the foreigner. And God says, 
This is your call. You can be a light, and I have placed you in a position now where you have the capability to do that. Live into the light that I've called you to do. One way God called his people to do this in Leviticus 19, it says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. This is God's call on the people of Israel, that the foreigner residing among them should be treated like a native born. In other words, they should be treated like a citizen. They should be treated like a citizen. They shouldn't be excluded. They shouldn't be mistreated. They shouldn't be oppressed. They should be treated like a native citizen. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. And when we believe, like when we think of the word citizen, if the first thing that comes to our mind is, I'm an American citizen, it's not a biblical position. America didn't exist. Uh, and we live in a country of immigrants that is largely built on the near eradication of one people group and the enslavement of another. That should cause fear and trembling. Uh, our citizenship, which Paul will later talk about in the book of Philippians, he says our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, our citizenship is a part of a kingdom that looks completely different than the citizenships of this world. And so we are called to live as citizens of a kingdom that looks different than the world around us. God brought the people into the promised land and he gave them a position of power to use to be a light, to shine like stars, and they did not live into it. Uh, God says in Deuteronomy that God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Uh, what does it look like to recognize our common humanity, first and foremost, before we recognize where one person is or another person is or who you are or what color skin tone you have, uh, that we have a common humanity created in the image of God and we're called to love and to love well. The whole passage we looked at a couple weeks ago of Jesus giving up the glory of heaven and becoming one of us, becoming a servant and dwelling among us and ultimately giving his life. That's what the divine looks like, a life of self-giving love, always giving himself away for the sake of the world, for the sake of others. Paul says, do everything like Jesus, and do it without grumbling, without complaining, uh, with, without arguing about your entitlement and what's yours and how to protect what's yours. It's not in the Bible. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Living a life of love for the glory of God as citizens of a different kingdom that looks different than the kingdoms of this world. Uh, 
Here's the thing. Paul's writing these Christians in Philippi, in this uh, Roman colony. And as I said, he's reminding them of Israel's history. But here's the thing. The, the Philippians are not living a life where they're not being a light. Paul is just encouraging them onward. As, as you have always obeyed, continue to obey. And so continue to live this life of light. Continue to live this love that God has instilled in you from the beginning. Live into this and continue to live into this. Don't grow weary in doing that which is good. Continue to live in this way and be a light that shines like a star in the universe. This, uh, this text uh, about being a light comes from Daniel. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars, forever and ever. Uh, Paul's drawing off this ancient text in Daniel. He's saying, uh, when you live out of wisdom, this wisdom that God has instilled from the beginning of the creation of the universe, uh, then you'll be a light. Then you'll shine differently. Uh, Ultimately, the, the Hebrew people failed at the vocation God had given them to be a light in the world. And so Jesus comes as the light of the world and shines and invites us into this life of shining. And, and Jesus, who is the light of the world, says in the Sermon on the Mount, now you, you are the light of the world. You. You. Burn brightly. Shine like stars in the universe, holding out the word of truth, bringing the light and life and love of Jesus to everyone you encounter, and spreading that light and life and love throughout the world. Uh, So Paul is ultimately telling the Philippians, the way the story was is not the way the story has to be. Uh, your father was an alcoholic. You don't have to be. Y your mother was emotionally disturbed. You don't have to be. The, the church you grew up in was legalistic and harsh. Ours doesn't have to be. We can be a place of hope and healing and delight. The way the story was is not the way the story has to be. You were an addict. You no longer have to be. Just because that's the way the story was doesn't mean that's the way the story has to continue. We can live into a different way of being in the world that is empowered by the Spirit of God, who is always shining love and light into us and inviting us to share that with the world. So let's talk a little bit about grumbling and arguing. Uh, grumbling, complaining. Um, it never happens in my house, I got four kids. They never complain, and I never complain about them. I mean, it is just a perfect picture, I gotta tell you. 
You don't believe me? You know me too well. I struggle with complaining. Uh, I struggle with grumbling. Uh, I struggle with cynicism, which I think is a, is a way of complaining. So a way of grumbling. Um, ultimately, I think cynicism is the enemy of hope. And if we're called to be a hopeful people, uh, we'll release cynicism, we'll release grumbling, we'll release complaining, and, and live into offering encouragement, offering words of hope, being a presence of hope, being a presence of love in our world, uh, that ultimately, as Gandhi said, will be the change we want to see rather than complaining about the way things are. We have the opportunity to, to live a life free of grumbling and complaint. Uh, the Persian poet Hafez says that complaint is only possible while living in the suburbs of God. Uh, are you living in the suburbs of God this morning? Uh, are you living on the outskirts? Because God invites us into his inner circle. He invites us into loving union with him. Uh, but complaint doesn't exist there. It only exists on the outskirts, in the suburbs of God. Uh, I want to be a person who doesn't complain. I want to be a person who speaks hope and speaks light and speaks love and it finds greater freedom from complaint, from grumbling. Um, how about arguing? Anyone ever argue? We got one honest person, thank you, Andy. <laughs> Jordan. Uh, when's the last time you argued? And, and I don't think Paul is talking about like healthy debate and healthy argument, you know, where we where we uh, discuss an issue and we have different positions and let's engage in a healthy dialogue around this. If it's healthy, uh, I think that's always good and beneficial. Paul's talking about uh, arguing where we're just at each other. Or, or you've been at someone else so much that it's broken the relationship, uh, which is the worst type of arguing where it just ends in, we're no longer friends. I'm unfriending you. We can do it without talking anymore. I'm just, I'm going to unfriend you. Um, next slide. Uh, this was a piece that was at Burning Man this past year. Two uh, adults with their backs to each other, not talking to each other. Uh, I think arguing is r really driven out of a place of fear, uh, fear of not being right, uh, fear of being rejected. And, and inside these two people, the inner children um, reaching out to each other. Um, I've said a number of times here that I think the two primary human motivators are fear and love. A and we get to choose which one we want to live out of. Um, I believe God has instilled in us from the beginning of the world uh, a desire for love, a desire for union, a desire to be connected. 
And yet fear so often creeps in and separates us from each other, from God, from the world. And, and, and when we live out of fear, it, it always disconnects. Uh, Exclusion always lacks imagination. It always lacks love. It's driven by fear. But when we believe that there is no fear in love, and when we remember that we were created in love, we are held in love, we were made for love, we are restored in love, and when we're able to get past the fear we can reconnect with each other and realize we have a whole lot more in common than not. And yet, when relationships are broken, it is often fear that keeps us from moving towards love. Well, what if I get rejected again? What if they don't want to forgive me? What if I still think I'm right and I don't think I should have to ask for forgiveness? Uh, Apologizing is always better than not apologizing. To move forward in a relationship, to take the first step, takes boldness and it takes great love. To stand with the posture of, I'm making no movement towards them until they do towards me, is to sit in a place of fear that just will wreak havoc on your soul. It's not what we were created for. We were created for love. We were created for union. We were created for connection. And when we separate ourselves from each other, I just believe it always breaks God's heart we're invited into a different way of being in the world. Uh, we're invited to shine like stars in the sky. Uh, reading this, so uh, you may have noticed by now I'm a fan of the Persian poet Hafez. Uh, so I want to show you a couple other things he said. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. When we live with a posture of people owe me, or I'm entitled to this and they shouldn't get it, uh, it's just not the way the universe is set up. It's not the way God desires things to be. Look what happens with a love like that. And then he says, know this, if God should shine his love light on your heart, I promise you'll shine brighter than a dozen suns. So I particularly wanted to share a couple of Hafez poems with you this morning uh, because I think it fits well with the text. But there's another reason, and, and it's because uh, my whole vocational life, I have been in Christian world. Uh, so when I was a pastor in Grand Rapids, I, I was a pastor at a church. Uh, I was an adjunct faculty member at a Christian university. Um, and uh, our neighbors were primarily primarily Christians. And so I was asking God, what, what does it look like for me to shine? Uh, 
like a star in the universe? What does it look like for me to share the love of Jesus when my whole world is Christian? And yes, of course, I should do it with my church and my students and my neighbors and those around me, but how can I go beyond that? And so I, uh, I had my CDL license, so I applied to be a limo driver and got hired. And I would drive uh, for these wedding parties. If you ever want to, no, you don't. Why? <laughs> Uh, the word wasted, that yes, that was my experience. The, uh, and so these people, I'm the limo driver, and we would stop at these different places for them to take pictures or whatnot, and they would talk to me and open up to me, and they, had, they thought I was a limo driver for a living. Like, I made 100, 150 bucks each night I drove a limo. I didn't drive a limo for a living. Uh, but that's what they thought. This guy, he's a limo driver for a living. They had no idea I was a pastor. They had no idea I was uh, a professor at a Christian university. Just, this guy's a limo driver. And so we'd have conversations. And with several of them, I was able to go somewhere with them spiritually that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise if, like, hey, I'm mad. I'm a pastor. What do you do? And I'd run the other way. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, in Marin County, uh, I think I'm still a pastor. Uh, I love being a pastor, but I don't want my whole world to be the world of Christianity. And it's a little easier in Marin, right? We got neighbors who aren't Christians, so I can talk to them. 95% uh, of the people you encounter wouldn't identify as Christian, probably. Uh, so. I've been praying since we moved here that God would allow me to have relationships with people who aren't Christians. And uh, about six months ago, this little establishment opened in Novato, uh, and I frequent this little establishment. It's called Beercraft. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, what they have to serve. Um, and I have built relationships with four different men who also frequent that place, none of whom are Christians. Uh, two of the four are now aware I'm a pastor. Uh, and I have been able to have conversations with these guys that are so deep. Unbelievably, they just open up to me about so many things. And one day, I was in Beercraft, and I had a book of Hafez poetry, and I'm reading it. And this man walks in and sits next to me, and he looks over, and he looks at me, and he says, oh, Hafez. And I said, yeah. He says, but have you read him in the original language? <laughs> Hafez is from Persia, which is now modern day Iran. This man who sat next to me, his name is Ari, I've gotten to know him over the last three months. He moved here with his family from Iran as a refugee 20 years ago. And I've gotten to know Ari, who can read Hafez in the original language and reminds me that, that I can't. Uh, <laughs> and to get to know Ari and hear his story and his love and what drives him 
And for me to know, that's been planted in him from the beginning. His eyes aren't quite open to Jesus yet. But man, Jesus has given me an opportunity to be in relationship with Ari. And I'm going to continue that relationship with Ari, asking God to allow me to continue to be a light, to shine like a star, and be a presence in his life. Uh, a person who speaks words of hope, a person who is welcoming and says, I'm glad you're here, Ari. And a person who hopefully loves him well. Uh, the invitation to us is to do everything without grumbling or arguing and instead to shine to shine like stars in the sky, holding out the word of life. Because there is life that is offered to us that is so much better than the kingdoms of the world. That there is life that is offered to us that is so glorious and beautiful that Jesus came to extend to us and to show us a different way of being in the world. And one of the different ways of being in the world, Paul says, is being poured out. He says, even, verse 17, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Uh, Paul says that this is what Jesus did. He poured himself out for the sake of the world. This is what I'm doing. I'm pouring myself out for the sake of the Philippian people and for the sake of the world. E even if I am poured out like a drink offering, e even if I am sacrificed, even if my life ends being killed by the Roman Empire, I will continue to shine like a star because this is what we're called to. We were born to shine. We were born to live with the love light of Jesus shining through us to the world. And ultimately, Jesus showed us the ultimate act of love and light by dying on the cross. And when we come and take this bread and dip it in this cup, we remember that. We remember what pow true power looks like. We remember what true light looks like. We remember what true love looks like. It looks like God dying on a cross for us. To restore us, to redeem us, to renew us, and to fill us with his light and love and give it back out to the world. So this morning, as you come and take the bread, and dip it in the cup. I want to invite you uh, to consider one area of your life that you're not happy about, that you, that you know, I, I complain about this. I, I grumble about this. Um, and, and would you give it to Jesus this morning? Uh, I want to invite you to think about that one person who you don't like. Um, Maybe it's a person you know, maybe it's a person you don't know personally. 
uh, I'd like you to consider the arguments that you develop in your head with this person. And would you give that over to Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, I simply want to be a person who doesn't grumble or argue. I want to be a person who shines like a star in the sky holding out the word of life, the word of hope, the word of love, the word that brings healing and light, the word who became flesh and took up his dwelling in the neighborhood among us. God, this feels like a tall order to live a life without grumbling or complaining. But we believe that your very spirit is within us, empowering us to live this kind of life. God, free us from complaint, free us from argument, free us from cynicism, Free us from fear and disconnection. And God, empower us by your spirit to live more fully into your love, into your light, into your life, into healing, hope. God, that our, our union with you and others, with your creation, would only increase. That your love in us would increase and that we'd be willing to be poured out for your sake. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.